Welcome to another episode of the Church Lies Podcast, the podcast where we expose the lies of the church one scripture at a time. I am your host, B-Dub, and I am joined by my co-host. Hey, what is going on, everybody? We that that's all I had. I don't I don't I try not to force words out, then it'll sound all corny and stuff. But yeah, this is Doc, aka that was my nickname. So uh, welcome back to um, we took a brief hiatus, even though it was like a week. But we're back now. We're we're back. We're back and we're ready. We got a lot of stuff going on in the world, but we're not gonna focus on that right now. We're gonna focus on what the most high's children are dealing with. So we started this series, the Jews, the Gentiles, and the judgment. And the last podcast, we talked about the judgment and well, a little bit about the judgment and how America and the world is a divided kingdom right now. And that divided kingdom is beginning to crumble. And it's, it's crazy. It's because it's, it's like people think that now that Trump is gone, the division is over. Now that Trump is gone, the economic inequality is gone too. The racial injustice is, is gone. The uh, All of the social division in America is gone because we have a new president and vice president. So everything is fine. Everything is back to normal. Babylon isn't falling. It just got restructured. What do you think? People... There's some people that who are just blind witnesses where um, the only thing that they care about is a new face for their oppression, a new yeah. a new master for their heartache. So whenever like when this election happened, when the inauguration happened, it was just sad, <laughs> sad that people were celebrating. Hey, oh, my goodness, at least this dude's not Trump. Um, this dude was responsible for a large portion of our suffering and his right-hand woman enforced that suffering. So what is there to celebrate? Well, at least he's not Trump. And I feel like people are going to ride on that he's not Trump thing for the four years that he's going to be in office. If, like, America even has that long. I don't don't know. I don't don't think she has that long. I don't think she has four years. Yeah, so it's just just, it's just, just saying it, and then when whenever he does something, the amount of excuses that people have for him already is like, bro, you guys are pathetic. <laughs> you guys are are just willing to excuse anything that dude does, all because he's not Trump. You guys are pathetic. Mm-hmm. And it, it it reminds me of uh, what the scripture says. In Jeremiah 17, and I, I believe we've mentioned it before, but uh, he said, cursed is the one who trusts in man whose hope lies in flesh. Now, that doesn't matter if it's a politician, if it's a president, if it is a celebrity, if it is a teacher, pastor, community leader. It's one thing to support people and believe in people and what their cause is. It's something completely different to trust them that they have your benefit, that they as they rule over you, that they have 
your benefit, even though the actions that they take, number one, do not line up with the word of the most high. Number two, are flat out wicked, you know, and when our people idolize them and and worship them, it, it is worship. I mean, it, 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 it is it is worship. Um, these people can't do any wrong. He said, be careful because you're putting your trust in man. And in doing it, you you invite a curse upon you. And he said, you you will be tossed to and, and fro like the wind blows a chaff because these people always let you down. And so our mind should always be, you know what? We're going to trust the most high and what his word says. This is why the emphasis of this podcast is what his word says. That is the emphasis of this podcast. We started church lies because there are too many lies in church that are actively believed and acted upon that are not based on his word. Agreed. And so we have to deal with his word. And do what his word says. I mean, the Most High is not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's He doesn't care about American politics. He does not care about America. America was simply just a tool used to punish his people. To bring his people back to the awareness of you're not going to be free from this oppression no matter who's in office, no matter who you elect. This oppression is not going to leave until you return to my commandments, period. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to point out specifically the oppression that is taking place now and has taken place under um, America and different nations of the world, how it applies to us now and in the past and where it is found in the scripture. So uh, today's podcast uh, this this episode is going to be called Today's Jews, a Punished People. So I think as we talked a little bit about um, when we started the podcast, how we came into um, the understanding that um, Negroes are the true Israelites. And my I came into it and I'm just going to do a quick review. I came into it when uh, I was a teacher and two of my students was killed. And I went to a vigil and I saw um, the pain of my students, family and friends. They were all gathered around. It was it was over 100 of them. And they were gathered around and they were just crying, screaming, yelling, mad the whole night. And I asked the most high, why us? Why do we have to go through this? Why? Why do we have to be so messed up? And he told me, he said, you're my people. And he brought me to Deuteronomy 28. Now, we're not going to get to Deuteronomy 28 today. We're actually going to start in Leviticus 26. Because the actual punishments of the Most High, according to the Torah, they begin in Leviticus 26. And a lot of people don't know that. They hear, you know, the Deuteronomy 28 curses. Or yeah, cursed according they, to Deuteronomy they, they, they 28. Go to the Deuteronomy 28 verses, and it's like, oh, okay, those are already descriptive enough. I didn't know about Leviticus 26. There, there's a, a, a ton of them in um, 
in Leviticus 26 is actually where he first begins to outline what's going to happen to us, to his people, when um, we disobey his commandments. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go to Leviticus 26 and we're going to start um, around verse 14. And what we're going to do is we're going to get to certain scriptures. And as we get to those scriptures, we're going to point out how those things have happened in the past here in America or in different countries uh, where our people are scattered. Because we have to remember that the African-American is not just exclusive to America. That that bloodline was scattered to Mexico, Brazil, Venezuela, Uruguay, uh, the West Indies, uh, Europe. You know, our people are, are everywhere. Our blood people are everywhere through the transatlantic slave trade. So these curses apply to us, not just here in America, but all over the world and all over the world. You will see how our people are struggling with um, these different punishments and curses that have been placed upon us. So let's go with uh, verse 14. So the Most High starts off the chapter again. Whatever, wherever we start in the scripture, go back to the beginning of the chapter at the very least to read the context of it. So the chapter starts off with him, uh, the Most High, explaining how, you know, you'll be blessed if you do these certain things. But now he's going to get into what's going to happen if we do not obey him. So verse 14. But if you do not obey me and do not observe all these commandments, and if you despise my statutes, or if your soul abhors my judgments so that you do not perform all my commandments, but break my covenant, I will do this to you. I will even appoint terror over you, wasting disease and fever, which shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. Now, we don't even have to think. But that last part sounds like what we experienced as slaves here. And in addition to that, during the, the, the time of sharecropping, we went through that as well. And even now. When we have the majority of low wage workers being black people, they're sowing their seeds of time. Many of them working eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 hour days, and they're making money for people at the top. What you what you think is that sound about right? Mm -hmm. Sowing your seed in vain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that so, sounds like something that we've been doing. Or something that we've been suffering from, where we put, you see it, um, you see it even now, like the music industry. Uh, mm -hmm. You see, it, like whenever we sign, you see people sign these contracts, you see it in the football, like in different sports. Um, we put in, we put in a, so much effort to create these things that that are just amazing, or to perform at a, an extremely high level, just for somebody else to be reaping the profits off of it. Yep. Yep. And we still don't have reparations for it. Nah. We, you sow your seed in vain. I'm black folk who treat um symbolism as reparations. He said the worker is worthy of his wages. 
He said, if you owe someone money and he has worked for you and you have the ability to pay him, do not withhold that. That's what his word teaches. I mean, we, we've discussed before, black people should not have to pay for anything in this country. Right. Nothing. <laughs> Based on what is owed to us. Nothing. Yet, like you said, we like to settle for crumbs. And again, it's the most High showing us your seed will be sown in vain and your enemies shall eat it. Those who oppress you, those who rule over you, they are the ones eating the fruit of your labor. And so here's the first example where we can see that the scripture is very specific about what his people will be going through as a result of disobeying his commandments. And so uh, let's keep reading because this, this is a point that I, I really want to hone in on because a, a lot of our people, especially in church, well, mainly in church, they don't understand this concept. So verse 17, and you shall sow your seed in vain. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the end of verse 16. Verse 17, I will set my face against you and you shall be defeated by your enemies. Yes. When you was in church and you heard the term seek his face. What what was told to you that that meant? What did um, people tell you that that to it seek was his a, face? It was like a, a literal thing, kind of. Mm -hmm. Sock his face through prayer and prayer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Prayer and prayer and prayer. And that was pretty much what it was like seek his uh image seek his likeness and it was mainly through prayer that that's all mm -hmm. seek my face or the whatever my face would come up that would be the general context of that yep. never understood it but because it's like we don't know what he looked like so mm -hmm. <laughs> so who am i when, oh. <laughs> right <laughs> right Whenever I heard it, it was always like, like you said, oh, we need to see God's face. That means we need to pray, you know, and, and that's what I thought until I, I came across this scripture. And I did a little bit of research about seeking his face because he says, I will set my face against you and you shall be defeated by your enemies. So to me, that that means that prayer cannot bring his face back to us. If he said, I will set my face against you for disobeying my commandments. All right. And so to me, that says he turns his face against us because we weren't obeying his commandments. So seeking his face means we should be keeping his commandments. That's how you we, seek his we should face. should be uh, seeking after his commandments. Mm -hmm. and, and we're going to prove that real quick. Um, and, go ahead. And, and also, like, it makes more sense that way, because if you saw his face by keeping the commandments, uh, how else will you be able to uh, gain his likeness while, mm -hmm. by following his rules? <laughs> by, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, by doing what he says. Yep. It, it's just like First uh, John chapter 2. He who says he knows me but does not keep my commandments is a liar. Can't say you know him. Can't say you're seeking his face if you're not keeping his commandments. So the first verse that we're going to uh, 
read is Deuteronomy 31, verse 16 through 18. And Yahuwah said to Moses, uh, Behold, you will rest with your fathers, and this people will rise up and play the harlot with the gods of foreigners of the land, uh, where they go to be among them. And they will forsake me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. And my anger shall be aroused against them in that day. And I will forsake them and I will hide my face from them. And they shall be devoured. And many evils and troubles shall befall them so that they will say in that day, have not these evils come upon us because our Elohim is not among us. And I will surely hide my face in that day because of all of the evil which they have done and that they have turned to other gods. So he says, I'm hiding my face from you because you have broken my covenant and done these other wicked things. That would indicate that for him to reveal himself to us, we would have to turn away from serving these other gods and begin to keep his commandments. That would make the most sense. And so we're just pointing out when you hear people say, well, we need to seek his face. That means, according to the word, we need to keep his commandments. The next scripture, Isaiah 59, verse two. But your iniquities, which is break, which is lawlessness, breaking the Torah, your iniquities have separated you from your Elohim and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. How long have we been in church praying to be delivered and we still ain't delivered? That I that's like a within the past couple of years, that's why I've like switched my stance on prayer. Because yeah. just from a from a logical standpoint, you you go back from like decades and you'd realize that pe we've been praying for the same thing. Man. But nothing happens. <laughs> Man, either nothing happens or the opposite of what we're praying for happens. Oh, we got to pray for this nation. Oh, we got to pray for our enemies. Oh, we got to pray for our oppressor. Oh, because we got to look for the, And it's always a brighter day. We always got to go for that brighter day or that greater day or that whatever day that's going to come soon that never comes and things either stay the same or get worse. So, like a year or two ago, I started. I just start switch my uh, prayer and what I started praying for. Cause I was like, I feel that we're praying for the wrong thing <laughs> because, mm -hmm. um, to, for the most high to bless the wickedness that goes on in this nation that goes on uh, with us, that happens to us would be completely out of bounds for them. Yep. Cause he'd be like, why, why, why am I, why are you asking me to bless these people who are committing wickedness? You know how much I hate that. Like, I mean, people mm -hmm. don't read their Bible. So anyway, um, yep. so that's when I started praying against it. And whenever you have, and then when I actually stated my stance, like, Hey, the reason why I'm praying, praying against this is because the word says this, then I get hit with, well, that's a metaphor. How, how, uh, how a met, a metaphor when David prayed to the Most High and said that he wanted his enemy to, to uh, his enemy's son to be fatherless and his wife to be a widow, I, I, where's the metaphor in that? I, I don't see it. <laughs> I don't see it. When he t essentially told Joshua uh, to uh, 
pretty much leave nothing standing. And then that one dude that was in his camp decided to uh, take the calf because he was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, this would be good. So he's like, hey, yo, kill him and his whole family and the calf. Yep. I, 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 I'm trying to find the metaphor. I'm trying to seek out the metaphor in that maybe it's personification for something to do with the calf. I don't know. All I know is for some reason, church has conditioned us that the most high changes and he doesn't change. Right. Which is you, That's the you bottom can, line. Yeah, they 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 teach you both, but hold on to he does change while saying that he doesn't change. It's very hypocritical. You're saying mm-hmm. that this old the old the how he worked in the old testament isn't how he works in the new. Oh well uh we had to direct direct uh face to face with him, but in the New Testament that don't happen. Well that's because, that's because he hid his face from us. <laughs> <laughs> See, thank you. Thank you. That's why usually in the word you don't really hear too much about the people in their in their um punishment. You hear about mm-hmm. when they're going in, when they're coming out, and while they're out. You like mm-hmm. you don't hear about all right, this is a year uh Year seven of two hundred and twenty of the, the the slavery in Egypt. No, because you're, there's nothing mm-hmm. to say. <laughs> Your life sucks. Yep. You just usually hear about it when they're coming out, when they're going in, or while they're out. So when you read any of those books in the New Testament, they're in their punishment. Mm-hmm. And no, oh yeah, you know. Uh, He's interacting. He's interacting with us differently. He just used uh, his son to do it. No, he's doing the same. He, mm-hmm. He's still doing it. He's, he turned his face away from us. He just sent the. He just sent his son to let him know, like, yo, like, this is the things that you need to focus on, because right. what's coming is not going to be pretty. Mm-hmm. Yep, and what came was our destruction and our defeat by our enemies. And that's what he said. What happened when he sets his face against us, the whole idea of his face being on us is him looking over us to protect us from our enemies so that they will not be able to devour us. But him saying, I'm going to turn my face against you and I won't look at you. And when you cry out to me because of your oppression, I will not hear you. It is because your enemies are defeating you and our enemies are defeating us now. They've been defeating us. They conquered us, brought us over here, forced us to work for them, kept us in economic oppression, locked us up for things that we didn't do, criminalized our behavior, sent crack cocaine to our communities. And when we used it, rounded us up. But when they people was dealing with opioids, they didn't criminalize that. They said, oh, we need to give them mental health help, you know, and destroyed our families, took away uh, the, the black man, removed him from his home. All of these things that, that have been done to oppress us. And the most high is saying, I'm allowing it because I ain't looking at y'all. It, it's like when you got a child and your child does something. <laughs> that that pisses you off. I remember when I was um, a young man, not not a young man, a, a boy. I, I don't know. I probably like 12, 13. Uh, me and my little brother was playing 
and my dad, you know, he he did a lot of work on the house and he had put up wallpaper recently and we were playing on the steps and we did something and it scratched the wallpaper. And my mom saw it. She went and got my dad and he was like, just, just get away from me. I can't even look at y'all right now. He was that upset that he turned his face from us and said, I can't even look at y'all right now. And that's how the most high is towards us now because we have upset him by continuing to go after these other gods and our ancestors did it we got punished by being sent into captivity all throughout the world and one of our punishments is that we will continue to do it because continuing to go after these other gods will keep us in our oppression it will continue to invite our enemies to defeat us. And the only way that we can come out of that is to turn back to his commandments. But we see, according to the scripture, that your condition will be that of a people that is defeated by his his enemies because you are not obeying his commandments. And so when we look at the fact that we are defeated right now before our enemies have been since we've been here. Our enemies are the people who enslaved us, wherever land you're in, whether you're in South America, Central America, America, Europe. We are we are defeated and oppressed and ruled over. By our enemies, and it's because he's turned his face against us. And now was a time for us to remember what he said and what we're supposed to do. And we're actually going to get to that. Um soon uh, a few scriptures down but we're going to keep going uh for the sake of time so we just read isaiah 59 2 let's go to psalm um psalm 34 verses 15 and 16 the eyes of Yah are on the righteous we talked about what righteousness means keeping the commandments according to deuteronomy 6 and his ears are open to their prayers but the face of Yah is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. That's that's us. That's us. Nobody remembers us. We're always neglected. You can see now, even with the Biden administration, how he had the meeting with the civil rights leaders, and he was real short with them. Talking to them. I right? ain't worried about y'all. <laughs> Talking to them reckless, like, bruh. Hey, like, if real you, reckless. You didn't have that same energy for. For anybody else who was raising this question, but when it comes to black folk raising mm -hmm. amounts of um, apprehension, and all of a sudden you want to go in on us, bruh. If that don't tell you something, man, we're gonna look out for the immigrants. We're gonna look out for the LGBTQ people. We're gonna look out for all these other people. Black folk, y'all, y'all get over there. You're not remembered. You're not remembered according to the scripture. I ain't worried about y'all. I ain't thinking about y'all. So what if I gave you, I, we gave you Obama for eight years. What more do you want? You got a, a, a melanated woman. She ain't, she ain't black. <laughs> you got a melanated woman in the office. What more do you want? We ain't, I, ain't, I ain't tripping off of y'all. To cut off that remembrance of the earth. We, we want so much to be loved. We want so much to be remembered. We want so much to be accepted that we're willing to do whatever they want us to do to fit in, but it never helps us. 
it never benefits us. We always get left out. We always get forgotten. We always get neglected, even though we are the people who have gone through the most. We don't understand how what they did to our history affects us psychologically today. One of, one of the, the biggest issues that I saw as a teacher teaching young black men is that they had no sense of value because the only people that they knew that were doing anything was rappers and ball players. They didn't know about uh, the kings of the past. They didn't know about the Negroes who ruled in Africa, the Zulus, the Kikuyus, the, um, the Malayan dynasty, the Ghanaian dynasties that ruled much of Africa. They did not know that their bloodline could be traced back to these kings. They didn't know any of this stuff. And it was difficult for me to get them to believe that they can have more because their view of history is we ain't nothing but slaves. And since that's all we we were, that's all we've been, if I can't be a ball player or a rapper, I'll be a dope boy. And we don't understand how that affects us as a people psychologically. Just removing our history from us, what that has done to us and how it has caused us to aim low in our lives. And it is a direct result of us being defeated before our enemies because we've turned away from the most high and turned away from his commandments. Last scripture. It's the one everybody knows. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people which are called by my name. Come on now. <laughs> With humble and prayer. Uh -huh. And seek my faith. Go ahead. Go ahead and now. turn from their wicked ways. Not uh -huh. turn. What? Man. Will I hear from heaven? Hear from I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. Y'all, we got to seek his face. We got to seek his face. Yes. Do you know speaking his face means keeping uh, his commandments? Come on now, like wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Time out, time out, time out. Uh, what's a commandment? I only know the Ten Commandments, and then it was condensed to two, and I don't even follow the one of them. So <laughs> I mean, like, dude, this this everybody in church knows this scripture and quotes this scripture, but it only means pray. Like you said, we don't we don't pay attention to Turn from our wicked ways. We leave that part okay. out. We, we we leave that part out. We're actually we're actively taught the opposite in a low key fashion by saying, mm -hmm. by saying hey uh, it's okay because Jesus um, good times Jesus uh, died for our sins and took away all of our sins and all that punishment went on him so right. you get a, a, a insta pass to heaven when you die right and. When you look at it, you're like, so that means that there's no consequence for my actions. But then they try to backtrack. Oh, wait, no, there is. No, that's, you, you, you sold them a bill of goods. You sold them the fact that you sold them on, hey, if you, as long as you believe, you get to go to heaven and it don't matter what else you do. Turn from your wicked way. Well, I can't be wicked anymore because somebody else took that responsibility of being mm -hmm. taking all of my wickedness away so I could do whatever I want. And as long as I say sorry and um, be sure that before I die, I just, you know, repent then. 
then uh, you know what? Go go to heaven. It's like, bro, that's the stuff that you guys sold the people. You sold yep. them a, yep. um, a two a, a it's too good to be true. I can do whatever I want and not be punished. That that's what you sold. That's what you did. As yep. opposed to teaching them to keep the commandments because it's supposed to better yourself. And better yourself, better your you know, better everything about you. But instead of mm-hmm. actually following what the word says and teaching it in context, you opt for the easy route because you know that people love smooth sayings. They don't love work. They don't love to look inward. They want to throw the responsibility of their own action or inaction onto someone else and say that, well, that person, uh, since he died for me, then I can just uh, do whatever I want. And nowhere in the world does it say that, Ayo. Because I died for you, um, you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to get better. You don't have to do all that. You don't have to repent anymore. You can just do whatever it is that you want to do. That, that's that's nowhere in the word. And just, which which is weird because by you doing that, you continue to have his face set against you. Because yep. <laughs> you're doing wicked. You're doing, yep. It, it's literally like you're you're you're. Teaching your own condemnation to people, mm-hmm. and Con- no, condition to break his commandments. Yeah, you're conditioning people to break his commandments, and which would result in him continuing to turn his face because it's like you guys still don't get it, even though it's out of, in a lot of cases nowadays it's out of ignorance. But now you can't be you. That's not even an excuse because you have access to the word like never before. It's not hidden. Well, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff is hidden, but it's not taken away from you like in decades past. Like you can download the app. Right. You can just go to any bookstore. You like and you'll be able to read um read it in there. But we've been conditioned to not read it as well. Just rely on the pastor's word, the preacher's word, the shepherd's word, and just work from there. As opposed to looking at it and seeking your face, you rely on somebody else's description of his face. Mm-hmm. Somebody who doesn't know Elohim himself, right? Because they're not keeping his commandments either. So how you gonna get your instructions from somebody who is not keeping them or is not even trying to keep them? There's an example of the blind leading the blind, and both falling. Right. The two shall fall to a ditch. Yeah, <laughs> like man. That's that's where we are. Except in and... this case, a lot of times with the with some of the preachers, it's not even a blind leaving a blind because they know exactly what they're doing. They're just choosing not to yep. because it may by t- actually teaching the truth, it may hurt their bottom line. Mm-hmm. Oh, it will hurt their bottom line. Right. You can't you can't teach this type of stuff in church. People will leave. You can't tell them they have to do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take responsibility. You've been telling them their whole life they just gotta believe. Right. No, they they can't do that. They'll that that the money flow will stop. And and you, you always have to wonder who benefits from you trying to get me to do something. You you just have to wonder that because this podcast, we don't benefit nothing from this. <laughs> we don't we don't make a dime. It takes time, it takes energy. We have to make sure the recording is right. The sound is right. We got to edit it. We got to study the scriptures and whatever other references we're going to use. We got to do all of that stuff just to convince people that 
we are the most highest children and that we're supposed to be keeping his commandments that we, we gain nothing. But in church or you, you got to tithe, you got to You got to bring me 10 percent of your money, 10 percent of your stimulus check. You, you, you got to bring me uh, your your time and your energy, not for his commandments, but for doing church work. And whatever you're going through in your life, just know God is with you and he's going to bless you and he's going to keep you when what you're going through is directly because of us as a people not keeping his commandments. Right. It's directly related to it. And you won't tell the people what's in his word. This is in his word. Yeah. If the pastors would just say something about this, they would at least save their souls and they would make their people have to make a decision. You're going to either stay or you're going to leave. It's just like what Joshua did. Look, this what this this is what I put before you. You're going to choose life or you're going to choose death. As for me and my house, mm -hmm. <laughs> we're going to see the most high. He put the ultimatum before the people and made them decide because he was a leader. And we don't have that in the church. Yeah, that's, we have. That's what leaders do when he sees yeah. that his like pretty much his following. Some people are trying to do right. Others are trying to do wrong. The people that are do wrong are going to start affecting the people that will do right. So he's going to force you to make mm -hmm. a decision instead of you mm -hmm. uh, trying to tap dance on the fence. He's like, no, no, no. We done with that. Because the longer right. you stay, the more it reflects on me. And I ain't trying to have the most mm -hmm. time be mad at me because I didn't do anything for you, do anything to y'all. So you got to make a decision right now. Right. Which, which side do you want to be on? Because I'm going to be on this side. And if you're going to be on the other right. side, cool. No harm, no foul. Just get out. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's nothing personal. Just this is this is what we're doing because this is what the word says. But they don't. we're not doing that. We, we have to make people comfortable in church. There's nothing comfortable about this word. Nothing. Nothing comfortable about it. This this word is painful to read at times. Because you, you look into your soul and you see where you where you're flawed and where you need the most high. He said in Hebrews chapter four that the word is living and powerful and sharper than a two edged sword and able to pierce through the division of soul and spirit. And is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. He's telling you that his word is not an easy thing to grapple with. He said that his word burns like fire. And so if we're teaching people according to his word, it ought not be easy for us to say certain things right. as, as preachers and teachers of his word. But we, we've dumbed his word down to make uh, his people comfortable with how things are and how they are because essentially we're, we're ruling over them because they come to us as the, as the pastor. You know, you, you come to me, you, you getting all your guidance and all your information from me. I'm, I'm ruling over you. And so if you're in that position, you have to be the type of pastor that's going to say, look, this is what his word says. Now, you got to make a decision based on that. You have to make a decision based on what his word says, not on your comfort level. They always talk about in church coming out of your comfort zone. It's real uncomfortable to keep his commandments amongst the people who don't think it's necessary. Yeah. That's real uncomfortable. Even though we say in church all the time, well, God's going to take you out your comfort zone. Or oh, he's trying to take you out your comfort zone. Hey. Would you not willing to pick up your staff and follow him? Heck, some of the stuff that he asks us to do isn't that grievous. Like, you get, we get, com 
we get people saying, hey, yo, um, well, we, whatever we say, hey, yo, you excited for Passover? Oh, yeah, Passover, great. Oh, you guys are Jewish? Uh, no, like it's in the, it's in the Bible. Well, you know, uh, the Bible says that uh, we can do this, this, and this, so I don't have to do that. That's not what the Bible says <laughs> at all. Not even not a, little a little bit. Well, well, my pastor, my Bible said, all right, well, your pastor and your Bible is a lie. So I don't know what edition <laughs> right. that you have, or if you just chose to throw uh, reading comprehension out the window when it came to reading that specific passage, but that's not what the word says. It's it's just amazing the mental gymnastics that people will do to condit to um, convince themselves that what they're doing is righteous when they know in their heart that what they're doing is wicked, mm-hmm. and it's just it's just baffling. It's like that we've been conditioned into um, anything that we know that is not in the word. People know that Christmas ain't in the word. People know that mm-hmm. Easter ain't in the word, but they'll try and relate it to mm-hmm. something that's in the word when it's like, that's not what it was called in the word. We weren't called to celebrate that. <laughs> we weren't like nowhere in there. Does it say that? Hey, yo, we're supposed to celebrate his death. That's not in there. Not there. Not there at all. It's not there. If, he never commanded. Yeah. So a lot of the things that we celebrate, that we actively celebrate and put a quote unquote Christian spin on it wasn't even originally for that. And like we spoke about mm-hmm. in the um in the holiday episode, it's like you um have to really have to look into what it is that you're celebrating because the deity that you may be thinking that you're celebrating ain't him. And you're gonna wind up doing well being like the blindly the bot and then fall it into a ditch because you were thinking that you were doing something righteous. Oh yeah, I'm uh, celebrating Easter. I'm celebrating Jesus. And then when you actually uh, look into it, oh, he wasn't celebrating Jesus. You were celebrating Ishtar, who was the wife of mm-hmm. Nimrod, who was the opposition of the person that you claimed that you were worshiping. Oh man, that's uh, right. <laughs> that's a uh, that's a little awkward. Hey. It, it 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 all boils down to the the pastors being able to to tell their people the truth. You know, it, the, the pastors are going to have a greater judgment. Those who know this these truths and refuse to tell their people and refuse to challenge their people. But um, let's keep going. Um, let's see, we're on verse seventeen still. Because there's, there's a few verses, because I, I want to get to the part to where the Most High shows his people what, what he will do for you if you return and keep his commandments. So uh, we still on verse 17. I will set my face against you and uh, you shall be defeated by your enemies. And those who hate you shall reign over you and you shall flee when no one pursues you. Sound, sounds like uh, when you hear a gunshot in the hood and everybody take off. That's what that sounds like. But let's keep going. And so I'm going to skip verse 18, read verse 19 and 20. I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like brass. Now, that sounds like prison. Yeah, sounds like prison. That sounds like prison. That sounds like they could also be um, the slave quarters, the slave dungeons that they uh, held our people in in Africa on the West Coast. 
uh, in West Africa uh, when they brought us here. Your, your heavens above you iron and your earth beneath you brass. Uh, verse 20, and your strength shall be spent in vain. For your land shall not yield its produce, nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. All right, let's go. So I encourage you to read all of this, but for the sake of time, we're going to skip uh, verses 21 through 32. Now let's get to what we, what we uh, discussed on the first episode. Verse 33. I will scatter you among the nations and draw out a sword after you. And your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. So the the, the last diaspora, the final diaspora, um, was when Jerusalem was destroyed. When Jerusalem was destroyed, what happened? A sword came after them. Millions were killed. Many fled and were scattered into different nations. And then... Uh, many were taken into captivity and your land shall be desolate in your city's waste. They completely destroyed Jerusalem and the present day Jerusalem is not the original Jerusalem that the scripture speaks of when Jerusalem was destroyed. When he said you will see Jerusalem surrounded by armies. That is a, another location in the Middle East that's about I think a hundred miles northeast of present day Jerusalem. It's a, it's a desert land. It's a wasteland. Nothing's there currently. He made sure that even after 2,000 years, it's still desolate and it's, it's still a wasteland and his people are still scattered. And he said in verse uh, 34, the land shall then enjoy its Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate and you are in your enemy's land. So we are still scattered. The last scattering was through the transatlantic slave trade. We are still scattered and still in our enemy's land and the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it shall rest for the time it did not rest on your Sabbaths when you dwelt in it. So to give context about this, according to the Torah earlier in Leviticus, you're supposed to work the land six years on the seventh. I'm sorry. On the sixth year, you're supposed to gather. I think it's three times the harvest. You're supposed to gather that the sixth year and the seventh year. You're supposed to let the land rest. You're not supposed to work the land and any poor among you, they come that year and they gather from that land while you eating from what you gathered on the sixth year. And then you work the land again after the years repeat. And so the Israelites didn't do that. And so one of the things that he did, he said, I'm going to scatter you, get you away from this land so that you will let the land rest. OK, so that's what he's referring to when he says uh, he wants the land to enjoy its, its Sabbaths. And let's go, let's see, verse 36. As for those of you who are left, I will send faintness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies. The sound of a shaken leaf shall cause them to flee. Now, that reminds me of when our people are running away, running away from the slave catcher. If you hear something, you're taking off because that might be the people who are after you. That makes sense, Is. Yes, you there? Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense to me. Yeah, okay. So that that reminds me of that same thing. Now in our neighborhoods, you know, it's nighttime, some go down, boom, we taking off. Ain't nobody even right. cursing. But that's that's what we do. 
even to this day, that's still what we do. The sound of a shaking leaf shall cause you to flee. And uh, they shall flee as though fleeing from the sword. They shall flee when no one pursues. Verse 37. They shall stumble over one another as it were before a sword when no one pursues. And you shall have no power to stand before your enemies. No matter what we've done, every uprising, it gets put down. Every time we get a leader, they assassinate them. They take them out. We, we cannot have a black messiah, as they call it. Um, and so they, they make sure that we will have no power to stand before them. And verse 38, you shall perish among the nations and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. Out of all the dem different demographics here in America, what population grows the slowest? African-American women at 13% for decades. Good night. <laughs> hey, the most poverty, the most death, the, um, the most single-parent households because they've created a society to, to criminalize black men, you know, and, and, and our women, our black women, they don't have as much to choose from. And so then they start messing with each other. Because they've destroyed our black men. And this is yet another symptom of our time here. And just yet another example of how the, the lands of our enemies consume us. Where we're just completely destroyed no matter what we do. No matter what we've done. We've been here 400 years. We're still trying to overcome. We're still singing, we shall overcome. Because of the, the, the land of our enemies is still eating us up. Let's keep going. Uh, let's see. Verse 38. You shall perish among the nations and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. Verse 39. And those of you who are left shall waste away in their iniquity in your enemy's land. And also in their father's iniquity, iniquities which are with them. They shall waste away. So the same thing that our fathers did. We're still doing that. Our fathers went after other gods. We, we still serve other gods. Um, after, after this series, um, we're, we're probably going to get into the different gods of Christianity. Yeah, because even though we discuss, you know, um, Tammuz and Mithras and Nimrod and Friga and all these other gods associated uh, with the holidays, there are pagan gods associated with Christianity itself. Even in the very Zeus. Yep. Mm-hmm. So many gods just connected to Christianity. From Zeus to Apollo to Krishna to Helios. That of Christianity being like the most pagan of holidays. Well, mm -hmm. pagan of religions like it is extremely like it is a pagan like you could call it the pagan religion yes there's a god that yes you want to worship. There, there's, there's so much idol worship <laughs> there's, some, there's someone that you can um worship there, there's so much idol worship in christianity so uh we might go with that and it, it, it's not just even the gods the practices yes. The practices, things like communion, 
communion is not in the Bible. That's not the Lord. That's not the same thing as the Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper is Passover. Communion is something entirely, entirely different. different. Entirely different. Communion, um, Sunday Sunday worship, the the robes that the pastors wear, the um, even those things are connected to paganism church, and idol worship. Archway. Yep. The cross. Yeah. <laughs> The cross. The cross itself is an idol that's connected to paganism. All of these things are in interwoven into Christianity. And so we're, we're still doing what our forefathers did in going after other gods. Even as Christians, still going after those other gods. And, and what's the main thing about Christianity? Well, you don't need to keep the law. The law is done away with. The law is done away with. You don't have to follow that. You can just believe. Believe in JC. Good times, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and you good. Even though his name comes directly from idols. Hey, it, it's time for us to come out of her, my people. We're going to keep saying it. We're going to keep saying it until he come back. Come out of her, my people. We're going to keep saying it. But let's keep going because he, he, he gives us, he shows us what he's going to do for us if we remember him and if we do what he commanded us to do rather than doing what our enemies want us to do in their lands. Verse 40. But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers uh, with their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me, that they have also walked contrary to me. And that I have walked contrary to them. Remember, he turned his face against us, so he's contrary to us. And have brought them into the land of their enemies. If their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they accept their guilt, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham. I will remember and I will remember their land. The land also shall be left empty by them. And it will enjoy its Sabbath while it lies desolate without them. And they will accept their guilt because they despise my judgments and because their soul abhorred my statutes. Yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, nor shall I abhor them to utterly destroy them and break my covenant with them. For I am Yahuwah, who is their Elohim. But for their sake, I will remember the covenant of their ancestors whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their Elohim, for I am Yahuwah. These are the statutes and judgments and laws which Yahuwah made between himself and the children of Israel on Mount Sinai by the hand of Moses. And so when he says, when they accept their guilt, he's, he's simply saying when they understand that they deserved everything that happened to them in the land of their enemies because their heart turns away. From right. Them. When they accept that, and from when that they accept point, responsibility. Say, okay, yes, for their wickedness, we have done wickedly before the Most High Y'all. We have gone after idols. We have gone after demons. We have not loved our brothers and our sisters and we have been punished for it. If we accept that punishment and then do what his word says, seek his 
face. Keep his commandments. Turn from our wicked ways. The wicked ways, not just on the street, not just on the block, not just in the movies and music, but the wicked ways of the church. The wicked ways of these other religions. And follow what his word says. Then he will hear from heaven. He will forgive our sin and heal their land. That land is not the land of America. It is our homeland. They always said, that, well, we, we need God to heal our land. This ain't our land here. This is their land. We, we were scattered into the land of our enemies. This land belongs to them. Our land that's desolate, that's the land that needs to be healed. And it will be healed. When he said he saw a vision of a new heaven and a new earth and new Jerusalem coming down as a bride adorned for her bridegroom. That's our land, the millennial kingdom that we are extremely close to. Remember what he said, 400 years, you will be oppressed in a land that's not yours. And the nation whom you serve, I will judge. That's what we're in now. As soon as the 400 years ended, judgment, COVID, mass protests, mass rioting, division, political division, strife, turmoil, economic fallout, all type of stuff that's continuing to unfold and continuing to get worse. And that's that's the judgment. That's the beginning of it. And he said, after that judgment, you're going to come out with great substance. That's us going into our land. That's. That's what the Most High has for us and only those who will follow him and do his commandments. Those are the ones that's going to make it. Those are the ones that he's going to keep. He said, I will leave a remnant of those who will escape the edge of the sword in the lands where I scattered them. And while these lands, this land and the other nations are going through judgment. He's going to deal with us the way he dealt with our forefathers in Egypt. He said that in Ezekiel 20. He said, I will drive you to the wilderness of the people and there I will deal with you face to face the same way I dealt with your fathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. He did signs and wonders before them. He led them with a, a pillar of smoke by day and a cloud of, I'm sorry, a, a pillar of fire by day, a cloud of smoke at night. Not, I should not say that right. What is it? <laughs> a, pill, a pillar of fire a, a, at a night pillar. and a cloud of smoke by day. Yes, you said it. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's, that's how he dealt with us. Because he said in Isaiah 66 that my people haven't seen my glory. And Isaiah 66 is talking about the end times. We haven't seen his glory because his face has been turned against us. But when he brings us to the wilderness of the peoples where we're scattered, he's going to deal with us face to face and we're going to see his glory. We're going to see his signs and we're going to see his wonders. And he's going to show us that we're supposed to be keeping his commandments. And so E-Dub and Doc, all we are, are voices crying out in the wilderness, just like John. Prepare the way of the Most High, make his path straight. He said, wide is the gate and broad is the way that, in, that leads to destruction and there are many who go by it. 
but narrow, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to eternal life. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who keep the commandments of Elohim. Psalm 119. And so it, it, it's up to us as his people, the Negroes scattered all over the world, including the Negroes in Africa. It's, it's up to us to get in his word and seek his word and obey his word. Because we, we, it's, it's very clear that what we're going through as a people worldwide is a punishment from the Most High himself for disobeying his commandments, going after other gods, and doing those things that are not pleasing to him. It's, it's very clear that that's what's taking place. And so we have to realize that if this is the condition that we're in now because we forsook his commandments, the only way for us to come out is to keep his commandments. The only way for his face to be turned back on us is to keep his commandments. The only way to overcome these curses and these punishments and these plagues is for us to return and keep the commandments. Yeah, it, that's, that's pretty much what we got to do. And you, like, um, quit operating under the assumption that if I continue to do the same thing and pray for the same thing and I'm getting the same results, that what I need to do in order to get different results is pray for the same thing. Come on now. We, we already know Man. that's insanity. Try something mm -hmm. different. <laughs> like, there's no, like, read the word and see that, hey, it's okay for you to pray for these other things. It's okay for you to take responsibility for yourself and actually follow him and follow these commandments. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to turn from your right. wicked ways and actually repent and actually seek after his commandments and actually follow those things. That's when you will truly realize what um what Mr. Mashiach was talking about when he's like this this actually trying to follow his word and keep the commandments is hard. Like it is not yes. for the faint of heart. It is not for those people who are looking for a good time. It's not. It's hard. But that's the beauty in it because of the because of the fact that you know that you're truly doing something different than what the uh, what the crowd is doing but in order for you to even get to that step you must accept the things that may not have been working out for you because you have to accept that you may have been praying for the wrong thing you may be committing the wrong things mm -hmm. you may be doing the wrong things and it's up to you to make that decision to change that for yourself Quit operating under the assumption that it's your pastor's job to save you. Quit operating under the assumption that it's your belief that saves you. Neither of those will save you. It's not only your belief, but your actions afterwards. And the only right. actions that he accepts is the actions that he tells you to do. Not, no, well, I lived a good life. Well, what, how, how do you define that? <laughs> oh, well, you know, I, uh, I did good. I did this, this, and this. Well, that is that what the Most High said? Uh, no, but it's good though. Come on now. Don't, don't be afraid 
to actually seek and like look into the word for yourself and do the things that he says that he's told. Chances are you're probably doing some of them already and you don't even know it. But due to the fact that you've like we've been conditioned into not even seeking after that, but seeking after the word of somebody else who may have tried to read the word and got the wrong interpretation from it, that prevents people from actually growing. That prevents people from actually doing the things that the most high said that we needed to do. So I say all of that to say this. Look, don't be afraid to pay, to pray what is seen as taboo. Well, pray for what is seen as taboo in the church. Chances are you may be doing something that's right. Don't be afraid to point out the flaws and point out the, wait, why are we praying for the continuation of this? Why are we praying for a system that continues to oppress us? That makes no sense. Like, that, that makes zero sense. Like, why are we praying for the upholdment of wickedness? Makes no sense. Don't be afraid to pray for the opposite. Pray for judgment. Pray for the undoing of this. Pray for justice. Actually pray for justice. Don't pray for no um, for no soft shoe, uh, well, I want justice, but I also want peace. There's no, if you want justice, then peace can't exist. <laughs> so if you, mm-hmm. the truth, if you want justice, then peace is going to have to take a stand just stand by and just be like, yo, you gotta, you gotta take this up because once justice prevails, then peace can be restored. But until, until then peace can exist because if there's peace with no justice and it's to breeds complacency, it breeds people who just want to keep the, uh, keep the peace for the sake of sacrificing their own integrity and their own dignity, just to uphold a false sense of peace a false sense of security, knowing dang well that it, at any time an injustice can happen, but justice won't prevail because you won't allow it to prevail. You aren't willing to do the necessary things for it to prevail. You are willing to go the extra mile by saying, no, I demand punishment for this. You are willing to do, go the extra mile and pray for punishment, not just pray for justice, pray for punishment. You see from Time and time again with these uh, unlawful killings of black people, we pray for them to get arrested, but we don't pray for punishment. We pray that justice prevails, but we don't pray, take that, next, that extra step and pray for punishment. With the laws that are passed, they all, you know, they got fired, but we all know that they're just being transferred. They don't punish. We consistently try to skirt around issues that deal specifically with us because we're afraid of how uh, we might be viewed as opposed to just saying and doing what's right. Pray for punishment. Pray for justice to prevail. Pray for um, recompense. Pray that we actually get the things that are that's owed to us. Don't be afraid to pray for the things that you know is righteous because Uh, man, that's, that's just something that you're not supposed to do. Well, they're going to say that anyway. Might as well do what's right in the in the process, as opposed to doing what's convenient. All right, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> all right. Well, we, we're going to close it there. Um, this is going to conclude part one of the Jews of Punished People. Next week, we're going to do part two. And part two 
we're going to deal specifically with the curses of Deuteronomy 28. Um, Leviticus 26, it labels a few of the things, obviously, that we went over, that we're going through now and have gone through. But Deuteronomy 28 is very specific. I've looked for other people <laughs> who, who've gone, other ethnicities who've gone through um, what Deuteronomy 28 says uh, his chosen people will go through. Can't find them. There's only one. It's the Negro. We're the only ones who have gone through um, all of the curses in Deuteronomy 28. And so we're going to go over those and we're going to prove through the scripture how those things have happened to us and are still happening um, to this day, which uh, points out that we are the chosen people of the Most High and the things that we are going through are directly related to us not keeping his commandments. And then, then we're going to get into the Gentiles. Then we're going to get into who the other people who call themselves Jews and are not, we're going to get into who they are. We're going to get into their role in the end times because they have a huge role. All right. So until then, always remember the most high is true. His word is true, but the church is alive.